From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be with you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. How was your weekend? Was it good? Did you uh, did you get to relax? Did you get to enjoy your your family, maybe, your friends? Did you maybe go to the beach? I don't know. It's just something interesting, right? I think it's very important for us to do interesting things during uh, crazy times where anxiety and stress and, and uh, politics, everything is on the rise. I think it's important for us to uh, you know focus ourselves on the goodness of the Lord and the goodness of, of the bounty that he has given to us. And today's conversation is going to be with Julie Reyna. Julie Reyna, she is the co-host of Rise and Walk in our uh, San Antonio, South and Central Texas market. And uh, I've heard Julie uh, talk about today's subject before, and it was very inspiring, which is why I've invited her to be our guest today. And the topic today is tradition. <clears throat> I know. You're thinking, uh, fiddler on the roof. Tradition! Tradition! You know, okay, uh, I, have you watched that movie lately? It's not what you remember. Okay, I'm just, just, go back, check it out. You're going to be shocked thinking that you used to like that film, but it's kind of subversive, that film. But anyway... That's another day, another topic. Traditions. Traditions of the church lived out through family life. Uh, Ju- uh, Julie's going to do a great job discussing about uh, her own family life and, and how they've gone uh, sort of towards tradition. You know, there's a lot of talk today, especially within Catholic circles, about traditions. I still think of St. Paul. It's his voice that's ringing in my ear right now in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. In the, in the face of apostasy, in the face of chaos, in the face of the end times or St. Paul says to hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on to you, either by word of mouth or by letter. And it's in that vein we're going to have the conversation about what are these traditions and what, how do we live them out in our own family life at home, not just at church, but also at home. And I think Julie's going to contribute quite a bit to this conversation today. So Julie Reyna is our guest. But uh, we have the team here. Teresa Kamara is here from HoustonCoalition.com and Tim Mott and, and uh, Janelle, a brand new intern doing the video switching as best she can with two cameras already out of order. She is uh, making do. But uh, and then David Magianis is on the board. So full show, great show today on tradition, moving towards tradition. There's a big trend right now on that. We're going to talk about that, plus the headlines. But let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Tim Ott. Good morning. Here are your GRN headlines for Monday, August 10th. 
Large-scale protest and unrest have broken out in Chicago, including mass looting taking, ac- taking place across the city. There is a heavy police presence on the streets right now following reports of people breaking into businesses and setting vehicles on fire. Videos posted on social media show police dealing with the unrest, which shows no sign of stopping as of the early hours this Monday morning. It is believed the clashes originally broke out after a suspect was shot by Chicago police in the city's Englewood neighborhood. Following the explosion in Beirut, international Catholic groups have responded by providing health services and necessities to the victims. At least 16 Catholic organizations, including Catholic Relief Services and Caritas International, have responded to the August 4th explosion, dispatching medical teams and relief groups to assist with basic necessities. The explosion killed at least 154 people and injured about 5,000 others. Beirut Governor Marwan Aboud uh, estimated that the explosion has cost, caused as much as 10 to 15 billion dollars in damages and caused as many as 300,000 people to be temporarily displaced from their homes, according to the BBC. The United States announced sanctions against Carrie Lam, the leader of the government of Hong Kong, as well as other officials in China on Friday, August 7th. The sanctions were issued in response to recent actions by the Chinese government to curtail civil liberties in Hong Kong. Secretary of the Treasury Stephen T. Mnuchin said in a statement on Friday, The United States stands with the people of Hong Kong and we will use our tools and authorities to target those undermining their autonomy. End quote. Catholic schools in Montgomery County, Maryland can reopen for the coming semester after the county rescinded a second controversial order preventing all non-public schools from in-person learning until at least October 1st. The Archdiocese of Washington's Interim Superintendent of Schools, Kelly Branneman, expressed gratitude for the county's recognition of the autonomy of non-public schools to make local decisions on reopening in a safe and appropriate manner. She said, we will continue to work with our schools to make the decisions that work best for each of our individual school communities. The Knights of Columbus has announced a new initiative to report on Christian persecution in Nigeria, where at least 60,000 Christians have been killed in the past two decades. According to Supreme Knight Carl Anderson, the effort is similar to what we have done in Iraq and is based in the hope that greater attention by American diplomacy and humanitarian aid can make a difference there. For more news, go to catholicnewsagency.com. And I guess it's back to me, Tim Mott. I look up and he's giving me the high sign. Uh, Thanks, Tim, for reading the news today. And uh, St. Lawrence, uh, pray for us, a deacon, archdeacon of the church. Did you know, fascinating fact, but but in August of the year 258, uh, the the highest, most supreme authority uh, in person in a man in the Catholic church in the entire world was a deacon. Deacon, Archdeacon Lawrence of the Church, because on the 6th of August, 258, by decree of Emperor Valerian, uh, Pope St. Sixtus II and six deacons were beheaded. Now, Lawrence was interesting because he was in charge of the treasury of the church, which included more than just money, by the way. It included things like the relics of the church, uh, the most prized possessions of the church. Uh, that we wanted to keep uh, sacred and we wanted to keep protected from uh, from the hands of the paganism that was uh, sort of just trying to destroy Christianity in the ancient church there. So uh, once uh, Sixtus and the deacons were in prison, uh, Lawrence went to go visit him. And it's like, you know, what do we do, uh, Pope? And the Pope said, don't worry, in four days from now, you will be joining us 
but you must go and make sure that the treasury of the church is well taken care of. It is kept hidden from the pagans. So Lawrence took that uh, uh, very seriously, and he actually did that. He took care of what was entrusted to him, and uh, Sixtus and the deacons were beheaded. But four days later, Valerian called for Lawrence to report for his execution. Could you imagine getting a notice to say, show up at such and such a day and time that you will be executed? I mean, would you even show up? Lawrence did. But you know what he brought with them? Because the, the Emperor Valerian required Lawrence to bring the treasury with him. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't just an attack against Christianity. No, it was a good old-fashioned heist, trying to take the wealth of these poor Christians. And uh, so what did Lawrence do? He brought the treasury with him. He brought the poor. He brought the, the ill. He brought these people that the church had been caring for. He brought them in droves with him when he reported for his own execution. And he said, here is the wealth of the church. Since uh, Valerian and his uh, and his uh, his people were not very satisfied with this, they took Lawrence and then they tortured him first. They they whipped him mercilessly. Now he did not ever recant Jesus during this process. That's what they were hoping for. They could get him to reject Jesus before his execution, but he never would. So when the the beatings didn't actually have any effect towards the goal, they set a fire and they put him on top of this fire, roasting him on a spit. And so we get this famous, uh, you know, this, it's a joke really, but it's, it's this famous saying that comes from this martyrdom of St. Lawrence. He said, uh, you can turn me over, I am done on this side. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give ourselves wholly and completely over to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me daily. St. Augustine uh, preached uh, on uh, St. Lawrence and his heroic witness. He said, quote, the Roman church commends this day to us as the blessed Lawrence's day of triumph on which he trod down the world as it roared and raged against him, spurned it as it coaxed and wheeled him, and in each case conquered the devil as he persecuted him. He goes on to say that uh, Deacon Lawrence performed the office of deacon. It was there that he administered the sacred chalice of Christ's blood, there that he shed his own blood for the name of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say he loved Christ. Christ in his life, and he imitated him in his death. And St. Lawrence is a, a mighty and a powerful martyr for the church, a heroic witness for one giving their entire life completely over to uh, the cause for Christ in the world, to witness to these pagans even, that in his heroic death, there is truth itself that is more powerful than all the wealth that the planet could muster. And I think he should inspire you and I today to make the decision to give our lives completely to Christ, no matter what happens to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Teresa Kamara, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How was your weekend? It was lovely, actually. Skydiving? Um, <laughs> Bull riding? No, but my, my shoulder thinks so. Shark I was. <laughs> diving? What do, you do? what do you do on the weekends? Um, so this weekend, I got a chance to talk over the phone, text some people. Um, I actually had a friend come back into town. Uh, he's in the military, and so a group of us got together. We still have permission <laughs> to go out and have dinner out and about. They allow um, that so, Yeah, right? So um, so. We went out, uh, all a group of us, and you know, we kind of welcomed him back, and so that was that was very nice. Uh huh. And then I also got a chance to go to both 
the Novus Ordo Mass and the Tridentine Mass you this double weekend. Dipping. Yes, I did. <laughs> and so it was interesting to like to look at the difference. And so I'm really excited to talk about this whole um, topic of tradition, especially yeah. with the news coming around about. Um, someone claiming that AOC is the future of the Catholic Church, and I thought, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, that you would even say that, um, as, especially as a, um, someone who was claiming to be from a Catholic news media outlet, and I was just shocked. Um, but a, a whole bunch of news media outlets that are Catholic sources have come out and said that doesn't even make any sense at all, especially yeah. with her calling, saying that Christ had a savior complex. So Christ <laughs> is the savior, okay? Like, he doesn't have a white supremacy and, complex. He is God. Okay, so get over obvious. it. Captain Obvious. Captain yeah, Obvious. Yes. At the end of the day, you know, it reminds me, one time I had a conversation with uh, a friend and uh, who was uh, an atheist by their own testimony. And they asked me why we, because we were moving more traditional in our Catholic faith at the time. This was years ago. And, uh, and they were wanting to know why we were doing this. Why do we believe all of this stuff that the Catholic Church taught? And I said, well, you know, Jesus was God. Jesus is God and man. Yes. Or he is God, right? So he's God. So therefore, what he says, we take very seriously. Exactly. And, uh, and, you know, that is a very fundamental, uh, aspect of our faith that I think sometimes we take maybe for granted or forget about that Jesus Christ, although he was in the form of man, he didn't count equality with God to be something to be grasped. Why? Because it's a mystery. You can't wrap your brain around the infinite. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is God. And that is why he died. He was, his charge was that he claimed to be the son of God, therefore equal to God. Uh, John chapter 8 is a great place to start in that conversation. Uh, let there be no mistake. Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. And because that is true, we take him very seriously in John chapter 6 when he talks about how his flesh must be eaten, his blood mm-hmm. must be drank, for instance. And going back to St. Lawrence, you know, when we go to Mass, if you go to the, the Novus Ordo Mass and you see the deacon of the altar holding up the chalice, uh, well, that goes all the way back to, as St. Augustine said, to uh, to the early church. Uh, the deacon held the chalice up at the Holy Liturgies at Mass itself. Go to uh, St. Justin the Martyr's first apology. I think it's the 37th chapter of the first apology. He describes the Holy Mass to a T. Uh, the tradition of the church is really a rudimentary aspect that should be the foundation of how we're living our life these days in these very vitriolic, crazy times. And when we have folks that are suggesting a, a fundamental change to everything, well, you should take that with a massive sus- a suspicion, right? Absolutely. And, the, and I remember even as like a kid, whenever I was doing a report in middle school about Costa Rica, and I was like, oh, their, their national um, religion, the most, you know, the most common religion there is Catholic. And I thought I had to write a report on being Catholic at a non-Catholic school. I, and I looked at my mom and I said, you know what? I don't even know how to summarize. Like Catholic is a lifestyle. I don't understand how you... Like, it's, it's our whole faith. It's our whole relationship with Christ. How do you explain this? And she goes, Teresa, every Mass we say the creed. I believe in one God. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. I actually saw, I'm like, <laughs> uh, it took on new meaning because here we are. We have these yeah. beautiful gifts. And so we, we can do. refer back to that. Also, I would like to point out, especially with all these lovely politicians <clears throat> who are um, claiming to be Catholic. And the reality is we, we are baptized 
And that, I mean, Catholics are baptized Catholic. And it's important to maintain the faithfulness of the form and matter of that baptism. Oh, yeah. There was a great uh, uh, story that came out over the weekend about how the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has uh, clarified yes. that if, if you were baptized when, with the formula, quote, we baptize you, if that was said when you were baptized or your child was baptized or your friend or mm-hmm. somebody you know is baptized, mm-hmm. according to the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith at the Vatican, that is not a proper baptism. It is, mm-hmm. in fact, invalid. And you would have to go and actually be baptized Be baptized still. again. Because the no, reality- no, 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 still. Well, still, it, would never, it wouldn't be it again. It never that's took true. place. Yes, that's correct. So the, the so. formula of we baptize you is not proper, it's invalid, and is not an actual baptism you'd have to go and one of the reasons why is because the priest or the ministry because it can also be done by a deacon is standing in persona christi mm-hmm. right so i baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost so it's a trinitarian formula that jesus even uh, mentions in matthew's gospel chapter 28 mm-hmm. you know so this is a very big story actually this is huge it's huge because the thing is the baptism is puts a mark an indelible mark on your soul yes which whenever you die you still have that mark on your soul so yeah. if you go to heaven it's a mark of glory if you're going to hell that's it's a worse. mark of shame <laughs> it's worse. like it is yeah. so much and and they're all yeah so as, and the same with confirmation, the same with holy orders, which is why we really need to pray for our priests. But as far as, you know, we have a situation where um, these people who say that, oh, I'm Catholic, they were baptized Catholic, they have that indelible mark on their soul. But the reality is we also have teachings from the church, which are called the precepts of the church, which outline the minimal, minimal standards of a practicing Catholic. So when they say practicing Catholic, you can look at the precepts of the church and ca- in the catechism from 2041 through the end of that chapter um, and so and just going through I'm going there's the five precepts there's 2043 that the end of that section and so and so I'm going to encourage you to look that up rather than us covering all of those unless we want to we, we, if we have time but it's important to keep in mind are we actually are you actually following the faith mm-hmm. are you actually are you just ripping out sections going well this part is inconvenient because yeah. of my conscience you know it's important for Catholics to form their conscience we can't yeah. just come out and say well I don't feel this way or I don't think this way our, our faith it does it is faith first and reason so we it is reasonable you take but, it all you don't take some is, but it's not yeah. if christ says something that doesn't seem to make sense to you it's because our logic is in error it's because we are yeah. human beings with with fallen there's a great spot that's been uh, there's a great spot that's been running on uh, catholic radio now for many years from john martinoni mm-hmm. and john martinoni does uh, open line mondays uh you know the t- in the uh two o'clock hour here on the guadalupe radio network and he has been in a apologetics for decades now and he's got this great spot that runs and we've been playing it many many years now and where he takes a catechism and he's ripping paragraphs out and you hear the sound of the pages ripping uh, you know you you don't you don't like divorce and remarriage <laughs> now this is the catechism of your catholic church you don't like abortion I have heard that one. <laughs> you know this is the catechism well i mean i should say it's quite the opposite you, you don't like the church's teaching on marriage between one man one woman forever well pff, there you go so it's a very cool spot, and it illustrates very clearly how we as humans, and 
I, I'm going to argue a lot of us, all of us kind of do this in one way or another. We rationalize and we pick and choose the stuff that we want to believe and don't want to believe. Pope Leo the Thirteenth in Rerum Novarum, actually, I think he has a statement in that document. We quoted some of it last week when mm-hmm. we were talking to Michael Hitchborn on socialism. He's got a statement in that uh, same encyclical where he slams the cafeteria Catholic for picking and choosing mm-hmm. what teaching they will accept and what they will reject. We are to accept this gift from the Lord, not from bishops or priests or deacons. This is a gift from the Lord, this church. And and there is a big difference that we need to be aware of between the actual doctrine of the church, the dogma of the church, and then those preferences of liturgical use. Like So, like for example, if you have chant versus if you have a polyphony versus if you have a choral piece, that's not a matter... Tim's, yeah. You've gotten Tim's attention. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's his that, ballpark that's, right there. Yeah, I, cause, I, I agree, because I, I love choir, and I think that there's a gift in each one of those veins. There is, however, a pride of precedence for... Yeah. The organ use for I don't understand. Chant. I gotta so, be honest with you. So, which is, there's, it's organ, also documented. It's also documented in church er, teaching. So, er, I'm not a big <laughs> organ guy. I'm just not. I, I'd have, I need to, I need some education. Where did organ start? How did that become pride of place? We're I don't gonna have understand. to do a show Tim's on gonna, it. What we'll bring in? Uh, Tim's I, I, have, I have I a source we, for that too. Along with Tim. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're talking today about traditions and, uh, and how we're growing in tradition. There's a, a trend within Catholic, uh, church these days. Where the younger folks are gravitating more traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there was a, a beautiful post uh, a couple weeks back from Abby Johnson, pro life leader, we all know her, uh, where she went to her very first extraordinary form mass and she came back crying. Now, this show isn't about the extraordinary form of the mass versus the Novus Ordo. It's not about that. It's about holding fast to these traditions and then implementing these traditions in our family life. And here, in just a little while, we're going to be talking to Julie Reyna. She's the co host of Rise and Walk. She is the uh, the spouse, the wife of Richard Reyna, my colleague in San Antonio, South and Central Texas. And she has talked about this before, and I thought she is brilliant. And so I have asked her to be on with us about traditions within the Catholic family, right? So uh, making the home a domestic church, taking Mass seriously, preparing for it well, uh, having a holy reverence in our prayer life, in our devotional life, in our family life. And uh, so I'm excited about uh, her conversation here in just a little while. But I want to remind you, dear listener, coming up here on the 20th of this month is the Fishers of Men dinner in our Washington, D.C. market, our WMET market. Uh, please keep that event in your prayer. It's going to be very exciting. I think it's uh, pretty much full at this point uh, based on the uh, the restrictions from the state of Virginia that we're maintaining in light of the uh, COVID situation. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to spending the day there with my colleagues uh, up there in the Washington W. MET Market, and I would just be grateful for your prayers. If you'd like information about that, you want to reach out to our, our folks there in D.C., just go to grnonline.com and you can find the details. The other thing I wanted to mention is coming up in a few weeks from now is the Fall Sherathon, and uh, we're going to be giving out a talk from Dave Palmer. He's the host of the Friday GRN Live Show. Um, he, he sent me this talk because I'm helping to produce it. It's great talk. It's about, uh, it's about joy. Joy in the midst of, of anxiety, joy in the midst of stress, joy in the record 2020 year, right? Uh, 
It's an incredible talk. You're going to be very blessed by this talk. And so that's going to be one of the giveaway items at the Fall share So I'm really excited about everybody who's going to get a copy of uh, Dave Palmer's talk, Joy. Also in the news, before we go, we have some. We have any pro-life news? A little bit. Okay. Um, so Let me mention this real quick, though. Uh, so in the news, I found there is an additional report of allegation at the hands of former, former Cardinal McCarrick that's being filed in New Jersey uh, today. Uh, so there's ongoing uh, new, ever new cases that are popping up more and more and more. And still there's no report come out uh, from the Vatican about how did McCarrick rise to the level of Cardinal Prince of the Church, get locked down, and then re-released to help negotiate the China deal. Which, by the way, there are many um, seemingly credible allegations that part of the China deal is over a billion dollars a year funneled from Beijing to the Vatican to help them offset their deficits. Uh, and uh, the persecution in China is not only keep it's not only still going, it's gotten worse. So there's a lot of scandal wrapped up around McCarrick. And uh, there's, there's some word that uh, there could be a report by the end of this month. But a lot of people are saying if that report does in fact come out, it will be uh, with massive holes of information that are not included. So let's all pray for resolution because when there are public crimes, public sins, the church requires a public repentance, a public confession. And uh, a sin of this, gro- this magnitude requires uh, a public penance. So at any rate, I, I encourage you to pray over the situation. Pray for Holy Mother Church. Pray for our, our Pope, our cardinals, our bishops, our priests, and our deacons who are having to navigate these very difficult waters these days. But let's pray for clarity, truth, and transparency. Because the truth is Jesus Christ, and he is the light that will bring the darkness kicking and screaming and into this uh, this. Uh, confession that we're all looking for. Amen? And uh, pro-life news. So 18 state attorney generals are um, asking the Supreme Court to uphold a 15-week abortion ban for Mississippi. Um, that would be a huge deal if they actually do, because right now there have been a lot of laws in place and a lot of precedents for not allowing a banned a ban on any abortion that's before bi- viability. So if you are in the legal system or if you're tied in, or interested in pro-life legal, uh, the legal side, um, I really recommend that you look into Planned Parenthood v. Casey um, and how we can overturn that, how we can address that. Um, and also um, addressing the fact that abortion actually hurts women. There's a lot of material that's coming out. A lot of abortionists are not required to actually um, say what harm is done to women, but that is going to be, those two points are going to be a key issue in helping to end abortion um, in our lifetime. And so, also, thank God, uh, two more charges were dropped from David and Sandra. Uh, so Praise they God. are way down from fi- the 15 original. Um, however, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, so please keep in your prayers um, the, the lawyers that are working with them. Also, um, in Mexico and in Kenya, there was a huge victory in both um, nations. And, and so they have rejected legalized abortion up to birth. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah, so they, so they, so they are, there are still abortions that are happening, but they have that, that end period of, 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 I'm sorry, of abortions being done up to birth that's been rejected. So, um, I know, um, Obian Nuju, uh, Ikiocho, ha- founder of Culture of Life in Africa has. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I always struggle over her name. Um, it's not because I don't love her. She's amazing. Um, she talks about 
um, how abortion is ideological colonialism and cultural mm. imperialism. And she has said that in many, many of her talks over the years. And so um, if you yeah, like we had her, her on last yes. year, she was great. Yes. And she's been on a whole she's she's a fabulous public speaker. So I highly yeah. recommend people look into her. Amen. So that's what I got. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, you know, coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to be speaking with Julie Reyna about traditions in our family. Catholic traditions lived out through the family. Do you have a domestic church? We're going to talk about that. But I want to mention also, uh, I had the wonderful opportunity yesterday to uh, to visit with my friend Gabriel Castillo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a brand new podcast out. Uh, about, it's a, The whole podcast is dedicated to the Immaculate Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a great love for St. Maximilian Kolbe. And uh, it's fascinating. I've been on many podcasts. I started podcasting in 2005. And uh, so I've been around a while, and I've done a lot, but I've never done this. This is new. He, you, you get there early. Everybody, every there's four people around a table, and everybody has a statue of Mary like six inches from you. You know, so you're like, you're looking right into the eyes of the Virgin Mary, you know, so it's like, you better get your act together if you're going to be on this show, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then of course, uh, after he's got all the gear set up, he, they pray, they pray a whole rosary, you know, uh, or they pray five decades of the rosary anyway. And uh, then he prays a consecration prayer. It's very covered in prayer and, and piety, and it's an incredible, um, incredible experience, really. And then we had a conversation about uh, not just uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, which I was so glad to share his story, because we celebrate his feast day on the 14th. It's the one-year anniversary of the release of my film, The Other Side of Fear. So Gabe uh, participated in the, in the producing of that film. Right. He helped to film several of the sequences. In fact, uh, he, he and I went to go film Dr. Ken Buckle as our very first interview for the project. And we ended up filming him, I think, three times. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> we learned a lot. I learned a lot in the process. Uh, Gabe was better at it than I was. But uh, but Gabe was an, an essential component to that whole film. And uh, we released that film a year ago on the feast day of St. Maximilian Kobe at the parish of St. Maximilian Kobe here in town. And it was a beautiful experience. And so um, it was such an honor to be on his program. That podcast will be released this coming Sunday. Um, I think in the three o'clock hour central time zone and you can find it on his YouTube channel, Gabby After Hours. If you just go to YouTube and search for Gabby After Hours, you'll find his uh, YouTube channel. You should check out his content. It's amazing. And uh, you'll be able to watch the podcast as it's released next week. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'm releasing a DVD uh, as a one year anniversary sort of uh uh, project for my film. The yeah, other side I saw of you were working on that. You had it on Facebook. That yeah. you had a little video of you working on it. So yeah. I'm guessing there's some additions to this, right? I have a t- I have seven terabytes worth of footage. Whoa. So I have a lot of content still to release. I did produce a film, um, and it was all ready to go. I spent a lot of time and effort putting it together, and then at the last moment, I had to pull the plug uh, because the subject matter wasn't comfortable with how sensitive the content was. Gotcha. And that took a that took the wind out of my sails completely. Mm. And I walked away from my computer for like six months. Yeah. You know, so I'm that's getting rough. That's it's a hard thing to put that much effort into yeah. something and then have it pulled like where you can't you yeah. can't give it. It was a painful presented. situation for me emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I'm just now getting back in the chair and I'm excited to produce the rest of the content and all of the material. So livinghislife.net is the website if you want more information about all of that. But we're gonna go to break and we're gonna come back with Julie Reyna and we're gonna talk about traditions. You know, I myself 
I grew up a Protestant, went hedonistic paganism, and then came into the church. And now, as I'm getting to be an old man, I find myself becoming more and more traditional. Why is that? Why are we drawn to the tradition of the church? As St. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on to you, either by word of mouth or by letter. So we're going to talk about that with Julie Reyna. It's not about the Latin Mass, which I love, to be honest with you. And it's not about the Novus Ordo. It's about the traditions we are holding on to, teaching our children, and trying to share with the rest of the world. All that's coming up next here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And by the way, you can hang with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search for us with at GRN Online. We'll be right back. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. Families pray for each other. We would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. You can turn your unused vehicle into a tax-deductible donation to the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's a lot simpler than you might think, too. Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. One of our representatives will gladly walk you through the process, even arrange pickup. Later model cars or trucks are greatly appreciated. Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm Joe McClain. It's great to be on with you. I host the Monday program, and Dave Palmer hosts the Friday show, so I hope you'll tune in for that. But joining us by phone right now is uh, Julie Reyna. She is the co-host of the Rise and Walk program, which is heard in our South and Central Texas market in the noon hour, and the wife of my colleague, Richard Reyna. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Heidi Ho, Joe McLean, there in Houston. Heidi Ho. 
Oh wow! Like <laughs> well, I had to come up with something. From, kind are you from of Minnesota snappy. or like where, like where does that come from? Oh yeah, hey, I'm trying to keep it real. I'm social distancing, but I'm feeling the love from Houston, so I'm trying to get in with it. All right, well, praise be to Jesus. It's good to have you on. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about this subject on your show, and I thought mm-hmm. it was brilliant. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of conversation these days about tradition, not always a good conversation. I mean, the conversation anymore is so vitriolic, and there's no dialogue and But here's the reality that I see. I know in my own life, we are moving more traditional. It's not because we want to be uh, uh, anti Nova Soto, for instance. That's not it at all. We just feel drawn to the traditions of the church. And just the other day, I was saying to our priest friend, Father Mullane, um, you know, it's one thing to start attending a a traditional Latin Mass, for instance. It's quite another to truly understand what the traditions of the church really are and then implement those traditions in your life. And I feel like a total, can you say noob on the radio? Like newbie? Is that like a, that's not a curse word, right? Noob? I feel like a total noob when it comes to traditions of the church. You know, I, I, uh, I, we have really moved from, I see these degrees coming. I came into the church and then uh, I didn't pay any attention to liturgy or traditions or any of that. Strict apologetics was my was my path. And now the the older I get, and I'm pretty old now. I mean, I have gray hair, bald spot, I'm going blind. And I have a grandchild. And so I'm old. And I feel more drawn. And so we I look at how my wife in particular has really tried to implement the domestic church at our house and and traditions in our family. And I know listening to you and Richard talk about this subject, you guys are on a similar track. So I, I hope you will uh, maybe share a little bit of that with us today. Well, first of all, a big shout out to Michelle. I'm a big fan of Michelle McLean. She's awesome. And I think in a lot of ways, we're the same way in the sense that we've really been drawn over the years of being a wife and mother to the true, good and beautiful. And um, it's very, very attractive. And so it's hard to resist being pulled in that direction and I can tell y'all when you were talking about um, you know kind of the cafeteria reference I was a tray carrying cafeteria Catholic <laughs> for sure in fact there were there were times in my life when I was just wandering around the cafeteria and didn't even have a tray because I didn't actually know that I was supposed to be picking and choosing the things yeah, exactly. that the Catholic Church taught and um, it's 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 funny to go back and look at your life before um, I we are Richard and I are uh, cradle Catholics, so you think that we would have known our faith, but uh, sad to say, e- for whatever reason, either because we weren't open to it or maybe we weren't catechized well, we didn't really have that renewal or awakening to our faith until we became um, husband and wife, and then when we were trying to have children. And I think it's really interesting to look back, you know, the whole adage about, you know, your parents have advice to give you because they know because they've been there. Yeah. It, it's interesting to look back at your life and say, wow, you know, look where I was and look where I am now. And not because of anything that I did, but because of God's grace. Mm. That's exactly what, where we are, where we are. So it's very interesting to see how traditional my family is becoming just by virtue of being drawn and attracted to it. Yeah, for sure. And there's something that speaks to the soul, right? You don't have, I've always said this. It's true about music. It's true about art and it's true about liturgy. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be critical today of anything uh, that someone might hold dear, for instance, um, in uh, say the Nova Sordo or whatever. It's really not about that, you know, but 
I had this going to a, a, a extraordinary form um, ordination, for instance. My friend yeah. Father Mullane, he and I uh, we worked together before he was uh, before he was a seminarian. When he joined the FSSP, I was able to stay in, in, wow. in uh, communication with him and, and sort of witness his journey through this process. And then when he was ordained up in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, I took my oldest son and our daughter. And we drove up there to be there, and I, I don't I'm, that may have been the second. TLM mass I'd ever been to, but I'd never been to an ordination mass, and it was in the extraordinary form, and it was like epic. I mean, it was epic, and it's very otherworldly, other, very like, yeah, it's hard to describe. But there is something so beautiful, and again, I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to detract from anything else. I'm just saying (laughs) that there was something that that spoke to my soul. Like I do not understand this. This was something otherworldly is a great way to put it. And there's something very attractive about that. And uh, you know, but I have to be honest. At the same time, you know, I had uh, my priest father Felix asked me once, Joe. Why do you guys come to this mass? And at the time, it was a uh, Nova Sordo in Latin, uh, at Orientum, and and I said, well, it's not because you say it in Latin, Father. I said you could it could be in Swahili. It's eleven o'clock. That's the mass I go to, right? Um, I, I got to be honest. The Latin was really hard for me at first. What about you? Well, you know, that's that's a big question that I get. Um, just the other day, a sweet neighbor of ours from across the street was asking if we Catholics were back to Holy Mass yet. Of course, she didn't say it that way, but she said, y'all going to church? You know, y'all get to go back to church? And I said, well, yeah, actually, we, thanks be to God, we're going back to Mass. And we are, you know, she asked me where we go, and we actually travel all the way across town to get to the parish that has the Latin Mass that um, is offered in San Antonio, and it's um, an incredible grace. And one of the things she asked me was, "Okay, so it's in Latin. Do you all know know what they're actually saying? I mean, do you understand it?" And it's 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 the common question we get a lot from people. In fact, I was just posting something on Facebook yesterday about um, a fabulous speaker. He's, I believe, he's a liturgist, um, Peter Kwasniewski. Easy for you to say. say. I know. I was listening to Sweet Teresa pronounce the name earlier, and I was thinking to myself, oh, Lord, that would be exactly me. Um, I I love when you can get someone who explains the beauty and the reverence of the Latin Mass in Mm. a way that we regular people can appreciate. I mean, we're homeschoolers, and thanks be to God, um, early in my homeschool mom life, I learned that it was really important. We we literally homeschooled so that we could impart the Catholic faith to our kids. So one of the wonderful things about that is that you get encouraged to teach Latin. Mm. And so we had some really basic Latin, and I mean really basic. But what's beautiful about the Latin Mass is that you don't have to know a thing. You can literally show up at Latin Mass. And yes, it's going to feel otherworldly for a lot of reasons. Because it's so reverent, because it's so beautiful, Mm. because it's so quiet, because it's so prayerful. But most importantly, you just need to be present. You don't have to know the responses. You don't even have to know when to sit and understand to kneel, you're going to be kneeling a lot, and it's glorious. It's a great way to offer up those knees, <laughs> and those the kneeling, knees. The kneeling is crazy. The I kneeling. mean, Richard and Raina and I are, yeah. are old people rising from oh. the moment that we've been on our knees for Tears. I don't know how many I've minutes. I've got a tear for you It's coming. awesome. It's yeah. a fantastic way to be Catholic. And so yeah. all the things bundled up together makes it such that you are not at all worried about the fact that you do not know every single Latin yeah. phrase and word that's coming out of the priest's right. mouth. And and sometimes you can't even hear him. He's praying quietly and reverently, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of beautiful silence. And I was just thinking that's about true. this yesterday at Holy Mass. 
it's it's a beautiful I mean think about how busy and loud our world is especially people on Catholic radio we're so loud you've been talking to my <laughs> wife think, again I know she's telling know. stories and, yeah she told me a lot about you <laughs> and, and so it's a beautiful opportunity to be quiet. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of quiet in our lives. Mm. And it, it takes you to a place of reverence that is very otherworldly, and it elevates you. Uh, you know, our, our pastor is Father Juan Carlos Tejada. We love him very much. He's, a, he's kind of a baby priest. I think he's only been a priest for about four years. When he genuflects and, and then ascends the steps to the altar, mm-hmm. it feels as if he, and it is, He's going as our representative to beg God for mercy on our on our souls, to offer our prayers, to make the sacrifice on our behalf. And yeah. it is a glorious, glorious experience. Mm. I encourage people, don't be afraid because it's so different. It is different. We grew up for 40-something years going to the Novus Ordo, and it's a beautiful Mass. Yeah. But we were drawn to the traditional Latin Mass in such a way that it was irresistible. And I can tell you, like you mentioned, you we were at we were at a traditional Latin Mass at least a couple of times over the course of the years. And I remember very distinctly going, wow, that was incredible. But for some reason, we didn't actually make them. We weren't stirred yet. To the point where we said, "Okay, we want to attend." It yeah. wasn't until a little over a year ago, and we just both both of us looked at each other. It really has to be uh, maybe not so much a mutual decision, but definitely I I loved that Richard Richard decided, and we we decided to go. And I remember being kind of nervous because I thought, "Okay, my kids, <laughs> we've catechized our kids mm-hmm. um, in the Novus Ordo, and I mean, I literally prepared them to receive their sacraments." So it was all about learning the Holy Mass and, and being reverent in that. So I thought, okay, my kids are willing to go. They wanted to go. But I thought, gosh, at the end of the day, when we actually are sitting there, and our kids are a little older. Our youngest just turned 11 in March. But, I mean, I didn't know whether they this – is their, this is their whole lives, too. And I'm thinking, are they going to enjoy it? Are they going to like it? Is it going to be too weird? <laughs> are they going to say, Mom, I don't understand anything. What are you doing to right. me? Yeah. And I remember we went to our very first Holy Mass, our TLM, and we got into the car, and I was trying to act all casual, like I really didn't care, you know, just like, oh, you know, and we were quiet as we walked out of the church. We sat down, I, we closed the doors, Richard turned on the car, and I just acted really casual. I said, hey, so what do you guys think? And all the kids said, oh, my gosh, I love it, Mom. It was so fantastic. Oh, my gosh, it was so beautiful. I just, it was and I just pretended yeah. to act like, oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was great, too. And in my, in my, in my head, I was going, woo this yeah. is great, this is fantastic. For sure. So it was very much a, a, a wanting to be there, but knowing yeah. that my husband needed to lead us there, and as a family, we needed to mm. go there. And it's just been a fabulous experience. We're, t- we're, we're talking with Julie Reyna about traditions in the family. Mm. We've been talking about the Mass, but, uh, it, uh, you know, it encompasses way more. Oh, yeah. uh, right. Teresa Kamara, I know that you've had a similar journey going from sort of, uh, you weren't Catholic were raised. No, I, I was raised Catholic. You, I was around I was, a lot of Protestants. I was around a lot of Protestants. Um, I had a lot of Protestant friends and, and I still love them very dearly for wanting to save my soul. Um, and the thing is, like, <laughs> the, the joy, the joy of being able to, like, have my mother right there that I could, and, and my father, who were able to, like, guide me through the faith. So if I had questions immediately, I was given apologetics lessons super, super young. Uh, because I had a lot of questions, and so I was given that gift. But I wanted to ask you, actually, because um, one of the things you mentioned a minute ago, Julie, is 
you said you prepared the kids before mass and I think that's really critical. I was sitting behind a family and they are a lovely family and they're actually uh, JRN listeners um, and mm. one of the little kids was just like ready to go home and I mean like we, we all have we all have a ch- you know th- there's See always ya. a stage there's always a stage where you know that's going to happen no matter which mass you go to or whether you go to the grocery store sure. it doesn't matter sure. the movies you know that's just the age that they're at but what helps these little kids to um, understand and follow the traditional mass because I know uh, for one more example I had a little there was a mom with a 12 year old son and uh, she ended up having to get up to hold the baby and so the little boy was still kneeling next to me and he was starting to wiggle and wiggle and wiggle so I said hey can you give me the book and I started following like letting him follow where we were and then he immediately zoned in like he knew where we were he could see the words in front of him and he was very focused and he was a very respectful kid but he just had that 12 year old boy wiggles you know temporarily (laughs) so i was wondering how as far as prepping the kids how do you how do you recommend parents do that well, you know, what's really interesting is that when we started attending the traditional Latin Mass, I remember very distinctly looking around and going, wow, look at all the babies, look at all mm-hmm. the little bitty toddlers <laughs> and little ones, and thinking, yeah. my kids are growing up. First of all, I thought, man, I'm old. And then second of all, I thought about it, and I said, wow, this is a real challenge, because when, when I was raising my kids from littles and I was taking them to daily Mass, I remember the struggles, and I remember... Um, the hassles and I can remember I'm being very honest I can remember taking a couple of them out every so often and scolding them right outside and to my horror realizing later on that you could actually hear people standing outside the door so that was never a good revelation but I remember very clearly really working hard as a mom with little ones at Holy yeah. Mass. And I do know that the running joke was when we would have a baby, we would we would kind of move to the back just for the purposes of the convenience of being able to move in and out. But Aww. really quickly, we would end up in the front row again. Amen. And my, my, my theory to this, my method to this has always been my children are not going to be able to pay attention to Holy Mass if they can't even see past, right. excuse my French, the booty of the person right in front of them because they're little and they can't see the, the, the altar, okay. they can't see the priest, they can't see yeah. the people who are proclaiming the word. So right. right away we learned you have to be in that front row. And, you know, Catholics were very territorial about where we said, oh, yeah. Mass. So <laughs> you it get took there a while early. for That's, us to get really good at yeah. getting that first that first row. Yeah. So when we came to the traditional Latin Mass, it was a whole different world in the sense that, first of all, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Right. So we really needed to be behind people so that we could be led in the kneeling and the standing mm-hmm. and kind of hear them say the responses and really know what's going on. And I remember very distinctly looking around and thinking, gosh, there's a lot of little kids here god bless these parents because they're really more brave than i was because there's a lot of uh, beautiful noise and music and goings on in the novice order and like i said the traditional latin mass is pretty quiet so everything you feel as a parent when your kid is little mm. everything is really um put in the forefront when your kid decides to scream and yell but amazingly i also noted that a lot of these kids are i mean they're crazy well behaved and a lot of these kids were they had their missiles out. They had the big books out that were kind of guiding them through the mass. Or they brought something that had their own children's missile. They were very aware, very focused. And I thought, my goodness, this is this is. Exa- I don't know that I would have been able to have been that way because this this God gives you the grace to bring you where He wants you to be at the time. He takes you. And so for me, my kids weren't little when we began attending the Latin Mass. But I can tell you that we would still prepare when we were going to the Novus Ordo. It was very much about the way we dressed, the way when we got there. I had my children learned a lot of prayers that they could be 
thinking of and praying personally and quietly at mm-hmm. Holy Mass. And also sitting in that front row. It was very important. They were able to see what was happening. It was real to them. They were present in a way that I'm telling you, it, it's very difficult to pay attention. People are getting up and going to the restroom. People are, you know, talking. They're fiddling with their purses. There's little kids dropping Cheerios in the back <laughs> of the church. It's just a reality. And I know Welcome because I've been there. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. So the closer you can get to the front, the better. And I can say that the preparation has to do everything with the mom and the dad being totally in love and willing to be and happy about being at Holy Mass. Yeah. If your kids see you preparing in, in every way possible, in literally superficial ways, like I'm getting dressed up because I'm about to receive my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go in my flip-flops in my $100 shorts. Yeah. I'm not going to go, you know, with my tank tops and my bra strap showing. I'm going to get dressed as if I'm going to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Now, I guess you would probably be getting in your formal and tuxedo if you're actually going to do that. But we get dressed for Sunday dress, and my kids knew right away, this is special. This is different. This is not, we're not going to, you know, a regular restaurant. And I think that's a way to prepare your kids. And then throughout Mass... When, when they were little and when they would get the wiggles, like you're talking about, it really was about bringing your child closely, close to you and whispering to them, look at what father's doing. Oh, look at this. Look at that. Uh-huh. You know, and you're pointing out the parts of the mass and you're really getting them focused. And I have to say one thing before, before you take me away. I, I want to say that it, it really does pay off and your children will, will, it will really resonate with them. Mm. I can remember going to communion at Novus Ordo and when I would come back. And of course, if I had my littlest with me, and I sit her on my lap, and she's right next to me, and I'm kind of kneeling, doing that famous mother thing where you're kneeling, but you've got a kid on your lap. And she reaches, and she puts her hands around my face, and she says, Mommy, you smell like Jesus. Oh. Because she could smell the precious blood on wow. in my, and, and I just thought to myself, this is why. This is why, yeah. Jesus, why you've made me a mom, a wife. You've made me bring my kids to Holy Mass because they'll say the most beautiful things. I mean, it is glorious. And I, I would just encourage people. I did not grow up this way. I did not know my faith. And like you said before, Joe, you could spend your whole lifetime trying to yeah. learn it. And, and don't be Amen. scared. Okay, so here's the deal, dear audience. We are going to run out of time here very shortly in about uh, four minutes or three minutes. Three minutes uh, from David Magianas, my producer. He's a strict uh, disciplinarian. So three minutes is all I have left. <laughs> I like that. In the radio side of our program across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We've been talking about traditions lived in the family, a lot about the Mass, but uh, I want to get into some of the more domestic church stuff, which means... You're going to have to hang out with us in the after show for a lot of that conversation. So the way to get on in the after show is is to just join us on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. You can just search for us on all three of those platforms by searching for GRN Online. GRN Online. We're going to stay on the after show for another half hour conversating about traditions in the church, holding fast to the tradition, implementing the tradition, teaching the tradition in the family with Julie Reyna. That's our conversation today in the after show coming up here in just a few minutes. When we say goodbye on the radio, we stay on social media. So make sure you join us for that. But uh, any follow-up, a last-minute question there, well, Teresa? I was just thinking about how, how often we can look at Mass as kind of like this, this public act of worship, which it is, but it's also that building of relationship. And so whenever mm-hmm. we're 
whenever we're going into whether it's a tridentine or a, a novus ordo mass like a lot of times i'll think about it a little bit like a piece of music or a symphony and there are different levels of capacity for people um individually um and then there's also just the desire to learn more and then there can also be this kind of elitist if you will, front where it's all about technicalities, and it's very important to maintain that real, the reality. This is about relationship with Christ, and so this is about us growing in Him. And so the technicalities need to lead us to Him, and not just become a form of show. Which I think mm. is is something that that can be a temptation whenever you're working so hard to get something exactly right. Um, but at the same time, I think it's beautiful to be able to have that family home. And I'm so grateful that you're here talking to us today, Julie, because it is taught in the home first which is why yeah. we're also going to transition into and I think that's the church. big takeaway from this conversation is what the opportunity uh, is before us as parents uh, to or even if we're not parents let's say we're siblings or we're, we have uh, friends that have children or we just have co-workers there's an opportunity to live the faith first and then share that faith through the traditions of the church and that could be uh, praying the Holy Rosary as mm-hmm. a family which we do or novenas that you uh, rep- uh, that you re- uh, pray uh, regularly or feast days that you celebrate of your patron saints or or building a domestic church with beautiful Catholic artwork and statuary and icons, setting up a home chapel, which uh, we did. Uh, you know, I wanted to share that story. We'll do that in the after show. And I know that you guys, uh, we sort of uh, were inspired a little bit by visiting your home a while ago, about your home chapel. So that's an important thing, and it's a wonderful opportunity that everybody has. But we're about to run out of time here across the Guadalupe Radio Network. So, uh, Julie, don't go anywhere, but uh, thanks for being on with us. Thank you. All right. Uh, I want to thank Tracy Kamara. Thank you, Joe. Uh, HoustonCoalition.com. You're in a busy season. Yes. Four Days for Life is just around the corner, and we're, we're working with a whole lot of volunteers and just making more network, having lots of opportunity for networking and, yeah. and praying how to do this, because it's a very in-person um, type of ministry mm-hmm. to reach out to these women one-on-one. And so figuring out how to do that during this time of COVID-19 is a very, <laughs> a, a, it requires extra prayer and extra attention. Yeah. So, so Wonderful it's, opportunity. Beautiful. 40 Days for Life. Uh, mm-hmm. The website is 40days.com? Or? There is there is 40daysforlife.com and then we are forward slash Houston. Um, but uh, also there's HoustonCoalition.com. And so, yeah, so we have a lot of volunteers that are lining up to, to help us out, to cover those hours of prayer. And, and just with Houston, just in Houston, we have seen over 9,400 women choose life. That's so it just is, here. That's just Let here. Let alone everywhere else. Yes, yeah. and, that, and that is since 2011. But usually we see over 100 women choose life All right. during the 40 days. Wherever so we you need are, wherever you are across the Guadalupe Radio Network, get plugged in to your local pro-life uh, ministry and activity. 40 Days for Life. Find your pro-life office at the diocese maybe or in your parish and figure out how you can get plugged in to pray for life. From conception until a natural death, there's lots of opportunity as a faithful body of Christ to take an action in that regard and save lives and witness to the value of the human dignity made in the image and likeness of God. Right? Amen? Praise Jesus. Uh, Again, thanks, Julie Rayner. We're going to be on for the after show here in a few minutes. If you can, switch over to Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Just search for us, GRN Online, or go to our website, grnonline.com. Until then, may God richly bless you. I'm praying for you. Hope you'll pray for us too. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. 
from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week. Hello, my name is Brad Grimes with the Grimes Insurance Group, and I'm a proud sponsor of 910 AM. My wife and I are parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi in Frisco with our four sons. I would like you to consider Grimes Insurance Group for your personal insurance needs. We are an independent agency working with multiple carriers. I invite you to call today for a no-obligation review of your insurance needs. We can be reached at 214-494-8800. That's 214-494-8800. Thank you. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints.